Um, let me just share a couple things as the team. If you're here and you're a part of the team, why don't you make your way up? We've got a couple of people that are just going to share uh, this morning. And uh, let me just share from the construction side uh, uh, just what happened. What was unique about this trip is the church that we built was right down the street from where they did the VBS. This is a, a church in a community uh, where there uh, is not an evangelical outreach. And so this was huge. So what we did was we built the structure of the church, and then we we're able to have the first service ever last Sunday in that church. Brand new church plant. 50 people showed up to church that first Sunday not Christians just showed up 35 people came forward for prayer uh, that morning. And so this, that, that, that gets a, that gets a hand clap right there. That, that is just incredible. And <clears throat> what was amazing is the, uh, that right down the street was a VBS. So a lot of these same kids um, that were going to the VBS and hearing about Jesus all week. Now there's a church um, where they're able to, to go. And there, there at the VBS, we, we did school supplies and we had uniforms for kids. So they're able to go to school. If you don't have a uniform, you can't go to school. And we're able to give out a hundred uniform school supplies. Their summer break is right now. They're just going to start going back to school, I think in the next week. And so thank you for all your help. We just your donations and giving towards, um, this ministry and this project. And I, I just believe it was so successful. And, uh, thank Thank you for all your prayers and working with uh, Terry and Bridget Rosh, the missionaries there. They did an excellent job hosting us, and it was just good all the way around, except for a couple uh, issues with stomach bugs. We made it, and uh, we did good, and uh, told them to suck it up and keep moving. No, uh, they were out for a little bit, but uh, it didn't last, so God was still gracious, and we just had a good trip. I'm going to hand it over to pa Pastor Jim. Pastor Jim led the evangelism team with the soccer camps and VBS, and we've got some that want to share with that, too. Good morning, everybody. Like Pastor said, it was a really exciting trip. We had a, a great time there, and we got to see, um, they got to see at the Church 50 um, first time visitors at the church show up and we got to interact with um, 100 different kids at our soccer camp and 100 different kids at our VBS. Um, and being the third year there, it was really cool to see kids that we've ministered to for three years, just see some of the lives, cha the life change that's happened where they were joking around and um, not really taking it seriously. And then by the third year to see them excited and to see the life change that happened was reassuring to know that we weren't just doing a one-time outreach, but it was something that was causing constant life change. Um, but the evangelism team did a great job. We had, like Pastor said, a stomach bug going around. Um, we had all kinds of different, we'd show up and the school would be locked, so we'd have to figure out what we were going to do. And it was uh, crazy external things happening, but internally the team just did a great job being missionaries to Panama, uh, uh, living out the example of Christ, making Jesus famous by the way they lived their lives. And so you can be very proud of the evangelism team. And it was very encouraging to see just God's work done in the lives of all those people on the team and then all the Panamanian uh, kids that we got to minister to. That's it. Hey, everyone. I'm AJ. Uh, this was my second year going on the trip. Uh, last year was really cool. I got to work with the, uh, the younger kids, like the 7 to 12. And I got really attached to those kids, and it was really cool to see how they grew. And at the the end of the week, it was really hard to say goodbye to all those kids because I got so attached. And coming back this year, I got to see a lot of them, but was 
it was a totally different setting this year because I got to work with the oldest group. I got to work with the uh, 13 to 17 year olds kind of around my age and what God really put on my heart was that what wasn't important was not establishing these like relationships with the kids but what was more important was that I got to install Christ in their life and knowing that after I left that they would still live a life of Christ. It wasn't so important that we stayed friends or we got to have a relationship but what was really important is that I shared my story and how God changed my life and that they would go on as we left to see how God could change their lives. Hi, my name is Mariah, and this was this was my first trip to Panama, and um, I got to work with the 7 to 12-year-olds this year. And um, I remember, like, before the trip, I was just praying. I was like, God, just break my heart for what breaks yours. And so um, when we were there, it was, like, during the week, I'm like, all right, all right, God, when are you going to break my heart? And... Uh, he broke my heart the last day when I had to say goodbye to all the kids, and he put on my heart, he goes, Mariah, he's like, this is how I feel when my children turn away from me, when my children leave me, like, this is how I feel when they they leave, and so that's, it broke my heart to leave the kids, and so um, that's definitely what God told me, is to, like, never turn away from him, to never break his heart, so... Good morning. My name is Amy. This was my first missions trip and definitely life-changing. Pastor Mike had said before we left, he said, you are going to be changed. And he was right. A couple things that stood out. I wrote things down, but I'm going to look at it. Um, uh, (laughs) Before we even left, we had training meetings. And, you know, at first I was like, what do we got to train for? You know, and I realized that those training meetings were to build our relationships with one another, which was so important on the trip because you're spending 24-7 with these people, Um, but that we got to know each other and got to learn about each other's backgrounds, and that helped us just to mesh so much as a team, and God did that. God worked in each one of us to bring out our different strengths and weaknesses and build each other up. Um, Pastor Jim had said how there were so many external things that came against us, and at the soccer camp, one of the days, we did not have the field. Our missionary had requested it, but they wanted to do some tryouts. And so he had said, okay, we'll use the outer parts of the field. But even in that, some that was sponsored by the police, and they came, and they were trying to be a little bit intimidating, you know? And it was frustrating to everybody. But God impressed on me that day, think of the people that are here today for this tryout that would not hear about me except that you're here. They were in the stands. When we did our closing, they heard everything we said. And we don't know the lives that were touched through that. Um, The VBS, they would walk, we found out from the missionary, they'd walk three hours to come to VBS every single day. And they would come, and it was hot, hot, (laughs) hot. Um, But they came, and God blessed them, and he blessed us. And and seeing the team again work together, one day I got kicked in the shin. It was really, it hurt. Um, and, uh, And Lily Sylvester, her first thought was, Miss Amy, let me pray for you. And I almost was like, no, I'm fine. And Pastor Jim was like, let her pray for you. And I was like, <laughs> it just, I, I'm always just like to go and I had to stop and be like, no, be ministered to. Let God minister to you and what you're doing. Um, and the final thing that just was so awesome for me was that I got to go with my son, who's 14 years old. And I saw him before my very eyes grow this week. Um, our relationship was closer. I mean, it's, he's a teenage boy and sometimes you don't always mesh with your kids, but we grew closer together and I got to see him share his testimony and he wrote it. And what he wrote was that he knew God has a plan for his life because 
God put him in our family because we adopted him. And I never looked at it that way, but that's how he said it. And it just meant so much to me. So God touched me this week in a way that I will never forget. I am so thankful for every person that I got to share this trip with and get closer to and see how they grew. And I just, I thank you for your prayers and for your support. Um, It meant the world. We felt it when we were down there. And I just thank each of you. Sorry. Hi, I'm Kim. Amy just said everything I was going to say. So I don't have anything left. No, I'm kidding. Um, This was our first trip, and it was just amazing. Um, One of the things that I wanted to talk about was the adversity that we did face on that Thursday at soccer camp. It had been discussed that maybe we wouldn't have our closing ceremony that day. We had it every day. Um, But God reminded us that you have to get out of my way and let me work. And so another compromise was made with the people that were making it difficult for us to do what God sent us there to do. And so we ended up doing our closing ceremony, and the adults that were there that normally would not have been there got to hear what God had to say. And so I took away that we have to move out of his way and let him work, let him do what he needs to do. My name is Lanny. This was my first missions trip, and I was blessed to be able to go to Panama and work with my American and Panamanian brothers to build a building. And it was absolutely awe-inspiring to see the community come together and make that a church that Sunday. Good morning. My name is Mark, and this is my fifth trip. Um, while we are working this year, we could we were at a place where the two dirt roads came together and we could watch for probably an hour watching the kids and the parents going by down to the team where they're going to play soccer and they're coming by they're walking like they said like Amy said probably an hour sometimes three hours to get there and the thought crossed my mind is I'm wondering how many how many of these people um, how many souls are being saved Uh, some of the projects we work on uh, we may not see any souls being saved like right in front of you and uh, like Pastor and I, we worked on a skateboard ramps one year, and you, we're not going to see them playing on it, but we wonder how, what the effect's going to be. And I thought to myself, you know, Lord, I wonder if we're going to see or how, how many people in this area that's you can't see too many houses, you know the people are around, how many people are going to be saved. And it was either that day or the very next day, two days in a row, I, I got actually witnessed um, a gentleman that was, it was a picture with Wayne, the man was... Uh, Talking with Wayne, we got to see him be saved, and, and the 50 people that came to church that day, a lot of them became saved also. So it was, the thought went through my mind, and the very next day it was confirmed. It's like, you're, you're there for a reason. My name is Wayne, and uh, I was able to go this year. And the, the great thing about this year was, uh, you know, the church, we put up a building in a place where there was no... Uh, not only wasn't there a building, but there really wasn't a church yet. And the church is is not the building, but the church is the people who meet there. And um, when we when they told us last Sunday that we were going to meet at uh, at the site at the construction site, I I was thinking to myself, what's what's the use? Nobody's going to be there. And uh, it was amazing that um, we had about a dozen folding chairs that this church would throw out they had no backs on them they were they were miserable and after we filled those dozen chairs 
uh, we started taking cinder blocks, leftover blocks from the construction. We had to set them up and find a couple pieces of wood to put across them so four more people could sit. And then we had to put up a few more cinder blocks and try and find some pieces of steel that were left over so more people could sit. I mean, this was the, the beginning of the church. And we filled all them up. And then, as you could see in the picture, some people were standing. So the church was full and uh and the people there's no sound system there's no you know the music is a cappella and um and but but the church happened and it was it was and not only did it happen last week but the great thing is it's happening this morning and it's happening this morning because of you people giving and because of us going so i'm just it's just no matter how many times you go it still touches you. It's still awe-inspiring. Um, it was a great trip. This is part of the team. I'm really proud of them. You should be very proud as a church. And once again, just thank you for, for your prayers. And uh, let's just give God just one more. Just, just all the glory goes to him. Amen. Thanks, guys. You can be seated. Amen. Amen. If you uh, if you've got your Bibles, we're we're continuing our study in the book of Mark. Uh, if if my voice sounds hoarse, or if I lose my voice, uh, it might be for this reason. Uh, my son's he's on the Finney High School basketball team. They're in the D1 class section five championship game yesterday at Alfred University, and they won in overtime. <laughs> Woo! Almost got thrown out of the game a couple times, but that's another story. No, I'm just teasing. No, it was a great game. It was a great game. So my voice is just, it's just hoarse. It was just exciting. My heart can't take it anymore. I'm too old for that stuff. That's just shenanigans. Um, we're going through the book of Mark, and, and what we're looking at is we're looking at how Jesus dealt with people and how, as we go through the gospel of Mark, how did Jesus change the lives of people and what, what made, what made Jesus' presence so different and, and his teachings so different and, and, and what he said and what he did and what he came to proclaim and how it changed uh, people's lives. And we're going to be in the chapter of Mark. We're going through the whole book of Mark and we're in the chapter of the end of chapter two, uh, looking at the beginning of chapter three and one of Jesus's mo- resistance that he had in his ministry was, was not necessarily people that you would think Jesus would have a lot of resistance with or a lot of controversy with. You would think that Jesus would have the most problems with those that were sinners. You would think that Jesus would come and he would tell them about uh, that he came for sinners, that, that he came for, for those who are in bondage to sin and he came to set them free. You think those people would say, wait a minute, wait a minute, Jesus, don't, don't cramp my style. We're doing just fine. I like my sin and I want to stay there. So don't come and cramp my style. But those weren't the people that Jesus had the most problems with. The people that Jesus had the most issues with were not the sinners, but the so-called religious. That makes no sense. How could Jesus have problems with the church people? Wouldn't they just welcome him and say, come and teach and show us the way? They resisted him every inch of the way. And what we're going to see in the gospel of Mark 
is how they resist him. We're going to get at the heart of why the religious or the church people resisted Jesus. And I'm hoping and I'm praying that I don't lose my voice, but I'm hoping and I'm praying that it may reveal something in our hearts that we will see that Jesus is all about relationships, that he's all about having a relationship with you, that it's relationships over rules and regulations that can bind us and keep us in bondage from knowing the joy of the Lord. And I think for some of you here today, and I'll just be honest with you, some of you may have grown up, maybe you grew up with a lot of rules and regulations with church. And it was about what you did and didn't do, whether or not, did you go to church, didn't you go to church, all all this stuff, didn't didn't go, did go, did this, didn't do that. And it became this this burden upon you that, that this church became more of a burden than actually a joy. And, and knowing God was more about this mean principle in the sky that was waiting to whack you over the knuckles with his ruler every time you made a mistake. And so I'm getting some amens now, right? I'm, getting, I'm touching close to home, right? But I want, I want you to see something here. Gee, listen to this statement. This is so good. If you ever write anything down, write this down. Jesus came to replace religion with himself. Mm. Probably the best thing I said in 2016, right there. Jesus came to replace religion with himself. I wish so many people could hear that today because so many people I talk to, so many people I listen to, they say, pastor, you know, when they found out I'm a pastor right away, it's like, oh, I used to go to church. I need to get back, right? They say the right things because that's what they think the pastor needs to hear, right? Because they feel what? Guilty. Because they're talking to a pastor. They're like, I know I got to get back to church, right? I, my kids, I don't, even, I don't even know if they're baptized. I don't even know. Are they, honey? I don't know. Do we do that? Well, I don't, do we? Is there some certificate in the house somewhere? I don't know. Do we have a Bible? I know there's some, I, you know, they just, and I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not why Jesus came. He came to replace all those things with himself. So what we're going to look at is we're going to look at a couple stories here of how Jesus deals with the religious. And my prayer for you this morning is that you would just, I'm I'm just saying, I'm just praying that you would be set free this morning from any kind of bondage that may have come your way or that you were brought up in that keeps you from knowing Jesus and the freedom that he has for you today. So if you've got your Bibles, um, let's turn to Mark chapter 2. Let's look at Mark chapter 2. And we're going to look at verse 23 and 28. And then we're going we're to jump into Mark chapter 3 and look at verses 1 through 6. I want you to listen here because what we're doing here is we're looking at two stories that have something very much in common. And I, and I hope you catch it. Listen to the stories and then catch what is in common with these two stories. And then we're going to dig into uh, how Jesus deals with the religious people. Okay, so let's look at at chapter 2 of Mark, verse 23. Starting there, it says, One Sabbath. What do the two stories have in common? There's your answer. One Sabbath. Jesus was going through the grain fields and his disciples walked along and they began to pick 
some heads of grain. And the Pharisees, that, that, was the, that was the religious people, said to him, now, I don't know what the Pharisees were doing. They're walking through a grain field. Now, I don't know if the Pharisees had these lookout men and they're look. what, what are Jesus' disciples doing now? How, how can we catch them? What are they? Let, let's catch them doing something wrong on the set. They're walking through a grain field. This isn't in a, a public setting. Are you catching this? So I don't know if the Pharisees got their Pharisee spies and they're looking to what's going on. That's, that's what's happening. So they catch them. They catch them. And this is what they catch them. How dare they do this? This is horrible. This is an uh, atrocity. So as the as disciples walked along, they began to pick the heads of grain. How dare they do that? It's an atrocity to pick heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is un?" lawful on what? The Sabbath. Picking grain is unlawful on the Sabbath. And he answered them, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? He's saying, listen, I'm going to tell you a story. And there's a story of this priest and David's men were hungry and David's men needed something to eat. And it was unlawful, it was against God's law, to eat anything that was consecrated to the Lord. And so he says, in the days of Abathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread that was consecrated unto the Lord, which is lawful only for the priest to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Hmm. They didn't know what to say to that. They're saying, okay, well, did they break that law of God? Yeah, they did. But God allowed them to do it. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is the Lord even of the Sabbath. Okay, there's the first, there's the first story. There's the first story. Now he goes into the second one. He says, another time he went to the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. And some of them were looking at the reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. And Jesus said to the man with a shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. And then Jesus said, before he healed the man, Jesus said, which is lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil or to save this life or to kill. But they remained silent. And he looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at what? At their stubborn hearts. And said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched out his hand and he was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill, how they might kill, how they might kill Jesus for healing a man on the Sabbath. So let's look at these two stories. What do these two stories have in common? Well, these two stories have in common that a man-made religious rule was broken. And so what was more important? Was it the rule or the spirit behind the law? Now, the religious leaders were upset because they think Jesus was breaking God's law. But was Jesus actually breaking God's law? And so what I want to look at, there's the letter of the law, and then there's the spirit of the law behind it. 
And so why did God create these laws? We have to look there. They were there. There were laws that were there. And why did God create these laws? Well, the Mosaic law was given to the nation of Israel and it comprised basically of three parts. You had the 10 commandments. God gave Moses on Mount Sinai. You had the ordinances. These were practices and an obeying God that God gave Israel in order that they may live holy lives. And then there was this worship system, the Levitical system, the sacrificial system in order to have their sins forgiven and to worship God. The purpose of these was this. It was to reveal the holy character of God, to set Israel apart from other nations, to reveal the sinfulness of man, even though It was good. The law was good. It could not provide salvation for them. It could only point to their sin and not save them from it. It provided a temporary forgiveness through the sacrificial system, and it provided for them a way to worship God. Jesus came to be the fulfillment of all the things that God required. Now, the religious at the time didn't see this. All they saw is there's this man coming, and he's breaking our laws, which they thought actually were God's law. Now, at the time, the religious couldn't see this. And so they're using the law to show how holy they were and using it to actually save them. When in reality, the law could never save them. And they needed a savior. And that's why Jesus was so angry with their hardened hearts, because they could not see this. They thought that their laws and their regulations and how religious they thought they were was the thing that was going to save them. And they're going to hold that over everybody else's heads. And no one as we know, and as we see in the Old Testament, could keep the law. The law provided a way to point to a savior because no one could ever keep it perfectly. Now, let me explain it this way. How many of you, this is very deep and very theological, so so stay with me here, and I hope you understand this, okay? So I'm trying to make a point here. How many of you ever played shoots and ladders? Okay, okay, how many of you don't know what shoots and ladders are? Oh my, oh, let's pray right now. Dear Jesus. Okay. So basically, shoots and ladders are a board game that you play with kids. And it's basically you have these ladders and shoots. And, and you, you go on the different squares. And if you go on the square for the ladder, you go up. And if you go on one square on a chute or a slide, you go all the way back down, right? And I would say this, that the religious of the time, it's the, the law, it's like shoots and ladders. You think you're going up and all of a sudden you end up on the square. You, you commit a sin and then you slide all the way back down. The law basically is this. It's a game of shoots and ladders that you can never win. You can never get to the top. You always think it's there, but then you commit another sin and you fall back down. You slide back down. You break one of the 613 commands, you break them all. So you're like, well, what is the point of the law? Because it just shows us how we failed miserably. What's the point of it? Because it shows that we're an instant failure. That is the point of the law to show God's holiness, to show us that we need Jesus, that we need a savior, that, that we cannot in our own strength and our own religiosity and our own goodness can ever appease a holy God. So the law is good. And Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill it for you and I through a relationship that we have with him. And what happens, I think, in our religiosity is we try to be religious by bypassing Jesus altogether. Amen. And so what we do is we do these religious practices. We go through these religious calisthenics and these religious motions, and we never know Jesus, the one that gave them to us to know him, that he fulfilled it for you and I. See, it's been two weeks since I preached, so look out. I'm just warning you right now, okay? 
as you can tell, my orange juice was expired this morning. So look out. Okay. So, so here's, here's the issue. Here's the issue. Why is Jesus so angry with the religious? And the reason why he's so angry with them is because they're so critical of everything. They're in the wheat field looking at how to, how to, how to, catch Jesus and how to catch his disciples. And Jesus is so angry because he sees the critical heart that these man-made laws has created within their heart that it's blinded them from seeing that God has sent his very own son, the Lord of the Sabbath, to show them who God is and to have a relationship with him. Critical of everything. It reminds me of a story. There's a story of this guy and he gets a new hunting dog. And, and this hunting dog is amazing, but he's got this friend that he hunts with that's so critical, critical of everything. And so they go hunting one day and they're in their blind and he's got this dog and, and, uh, and, and they see the ducks go by and they shoot at one. One goes down in the water and, and, and the guy says to his critical friend, he says, watch this. And his hunting dog goes on top of the water, paws barely touching the top of the water. This is an amazing sight. And he goes out of the water. He gets the duck. He comes back and, and, and he throws it at, at, at his owner's feet. And his, this guy looks at his friend, the critical guy, and he says, hey man, what do you think of my dog now? And his friend said, that's a dumb dog. He goes, he can't even swim. Now, <laughs> How many of you ever met someone that just criticizes everything, right? I, 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 I call them joy suckers. They just, they just suck, right? You're having a good day, right? And you want to tell something, and then that, you, you, that joy sucker just sucks the life out of that joy, right? It just, right? It just sucks the joy out of that situation. Critical of everything. And that's what, that's, that hurt when I just did that. That, that hurt right there. That just hurt. Um, see, th- this is what Jesus is so upset about. He's actually angry because he sees how they turned a good thing into an ultimate thing. They turned a good thing and it became a hardened thing within their hearts that they overlooked the very thing that, that Jesus was doing and Jesus was trying to accomplish. And, and, and he goes, well, is it good? Is it bad that I'm trying to heal this man? Or, or are you more concerned with their rules? And this is what happened. This is what happened. What Jesus exposed in these religious hearts was this, is that they were more in love with their rules than God. They were more in love with keeping their rules and having other people keep their rules than, than truly loving God. And Jesus was saying, listen, I didn't break any laws here because these were your laws that you made up about picking grain on the set. Also, you, you made that up. You are so wrapped up in your rules and wanting everybody else to follow your rules and, you, and, and, just, and, and just usurp your rules over everybody else's head that you've lost your joy and it's blinded you to seeing who the son of God is, that he's come to establish a relationship with you. And those that weren't in bondage to the rules were the ones who were sinners who could see Jesus, who came to him, who allowed Jesus to change their lives. So what we have here is we have two stories, eating grain on the Sabbath and you have healing on the Sabbath. And we know that commandment number four in Exodus, we read, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work on the seventh day is the Sabbath 
to the Lord your God. And I know we can be tripped up on this. And I know today there's even, uh, you know, denominations that, that only worship God on Saturday, which is the Sabbath. And it's like, man, should, should you know, if, if Sunday's the Sabbath, pastor should, you know, should I work? Should I not? Should I, can I wash my car? Can I pick grain? Can I eat grain in someone's field? Is that okay? Uh, what, what, you know, and, and we get tripped up over this. And I know some of you, maybe some of the teachings that you've been under have really come under some real legalism here. Um, let me just say this as a side note. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. He came to fulfill it. Let's honor him. Now, we come to church and we, I, I, I use the first principle here. We honor God the first day of the week, which is Sunday. We come to church, we worship him. We honor God with our fine, the first of our finance, with our tithe. We honor him with all these things. What I would say to you is honor the Lord and find time to reflect on his goodness. The Sabbath was a gift that was given to man to honor him, to honor him. So for you, if that's Sunday and you say, God, I just want to honor you today and just think about you and what you've done. If you take many Sabbaths during the week, honor God. Don't get so wrapped up in your life that your work drives you. Because I'll be honest with you, you can, God gave us a day of rest for a reason, not to be legalistic over it, but to give you rest. I love what my dad says here. My dad says, we think that we're getting so far ahead by thinking we, if we work seven days a week, I'll get ahead, I'll get ahead, and I'll make more money. And, and my dad says this. He goes, you know what? If I work five days or six days, God will fill in the gaps because I want to honor him. And that's what I love about the business model of Chick-fil-A. If you've never eaten at a Chick-fil-A, it's the most wonderful, glorious chicken you've ever tasted in your entire life. And when we fly through Atlanta to go to Panama, we eat at Chick-fil-A, and I don't care. We're eating there. I don't care what you like. We're eating at Chick-fil-A. Christian organization... They don't open on Sunday. And it's one of the most successful business models out there for fast food. They honor God that way. It's not legalistic. They're just honoring God that way by saying, we're just going to honor God this day and give our employees this day off, so on and so forth. So listen, honor God. If you become legalistic over it, you've missed the whole point, and it's going to suck the joy out of the whole reason why Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. Now here, let, 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 here real quick. Here's how it got so bad. Here's how they got so critical. What they did was they took this gift that God has given Israel to honor him and to reflect on him and his goodness, to give them rest. And God gives them the reason in, in, the, in the creation story that, that on the, on the uh, you know, for, for six days, the Lord made heaven and earth and on the, and the sea and all this. And then he rested on the seventh day. Did God need to rest? No, but it was an example to you and I. And, there, and therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. He wanted them to give them rest to understand who he was. Well, here's what happened. The religious at the time took this and ran with it. And they were, this is how critical they got with their own man-made rules. Here's, here's what they taught. This is beyond scripture. This is what they taught. They taught that on the Sabbath, you should not look in a mirror on the Sabbath. Because, I'm not lying here, okay? This is true. Because you might be tempted to pluck out a gray hair and that would be reaping. I'd be there all day, by the way. <laughs> Hold on, kid, right? This is what they did. And so they sat around 
And their little religious groups, they said, okay, if we do this law, this is where legalism goes. It never ends. Because if you do this law, you got to do this one. You got to go here. You got to go there. Now, this is how bad it got. It says, now, this is true. On the Sabbath, you were allowed to eat radishes. But you were warned against dipping them into salt. Because you might leave them in the salt too long and pickle them. And this was considered to be Sabbath breaking. The Pharisees actually had discussions as to how long it took a pickle to pickle a radish. So they wouldn't break the Sabbath law. Their law, by the way, not God's. Now, on the Sabbath, it was fine to spit on a rock. But you could not spit on the ground because that made mud and mud was mortar and that was work. Now you think I'm lying, but that's what happens. And I'll be honest with you. That's what can happen in a lot of churches. We become so legalistic on our rules and regulations that we miss our relationship with God, that we fall more in love with our rules. Now, is there standards and there are moral standards that we need to follow to live holy before the Lord? Amen. Can I get an amen? There is. I mean, I, I, it's not that it's a free-for-all and we have sloppy grace and we just do whatever we want and live sinful lives. That, that's not what Jesus is saying here, Okay. What he's saying is, let's be careful. Let's allow our love and our relationship for the Lord be the thing that drives us. Because that's the thing that's going to give us joy. No amount of rules can ever give you that joy. And so, so, so Jesus is saying, listen, do you think that healing would be considered work? And Jesus didn't do anything wrong here. And so Jesus gives them the example of David. He said, David's men, they were running from Saul and, and they were hungry. And the only food and bread that was that was there for them was strictly to be used by the priests in the, in the temple. This was not a man-made rule. This was actually God's law. And they says to them, but they were given that bread to eat. What about that story? Pharisees, they had no answer. It's because they had a need. David's men had a need. They weren't acting in pride. They, they, they were God's people. And this particular incident transcended the law, even though the law was important. And once again, it's seen the spirit of the law over the letter of the law. Jesus said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath, and I've come to fulfill these things. The Sabbath is about healing and restoring and rest for the weary. And some of you need to hear this today. Some of you need a Sabbath rest with God. You are weary. You're tired. You're, 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 you're tired of trying to be good and trying to do the right things. And things pop up in your life, and you think God is against you. You think you're doing something wrong because you're trying to please God through your works. If I can just do this right and do this right and do this right. <clears throat> and you're weary today. You see, the interesting thing is Jesus asked this question before he heals the man. He says, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm or to save a life or to kill? And they said nothing. And see, Jesus understands because 200 years earlier in the Maccabean revolt, they had to deal with this question of whether or not a Jewish soldier could fight in the Sabbath. And as a result of some terrible massacre, rabbis declared that it was okay to fight and defend themselves on the Sabbath. Jesus is trying to get them to see, listen, your hearts are hardened. You're not seeing the spirit behind the Sabbath. So Jesus goes on to heal this man, and this infuriates the religious because it shows the hardness of their hearts. And Jesus is saying that this person is more important than your man-made rules. And so what's the issue? You have two opposing views of the Sabbath. One wants to keep the Sabbath, and it's become a burden and a bondage. The other view is that the Sabbath is a gift to be 
enjoyed. Now, I remember when I was a little kid, I loved matchbox cars. In fact, I still do a little bit, okay? And um, my grandparents had a cottage in the Bristol Hills, uh, just north of Naples. And there's this big dirt pile there. And I used to love going there as a kid. And, and I would take all my matchbox cars, I hid in my little plastic case, and I'd open them up. And I'd take my matchbox, and I'd make all these roads. Wherever, wherever the road led, I'd just do what I want. And I would have so, I would hours doing that. In fact, my son Wesley, he's 17, he still does that. I'm teasing. You're like, really? Um, by the way, Wesley just got his license last week. I just warning now, stay off the sidewalks. Okay, just telling you now. Okay, just warning. Um, but can you imagine, in my freedom and my joy, can you imagine if my dad came up to me and he says, Barden, stop. Out of all these matchbox cars, you can only use this one, and you can only play in this one foot by one foot square of dirt. And, and on top of that, you can only play from 2 p.m. to 2.05 p.m. And that's it. Do you think that would have sucked the joy out of my matchbox dirt making roads, right? That's exactly what the Pharisees did. They attached all their man-made rules and they sucked the joy out of the Sabbath of honoring and serving God and loving him and just saying, I want to take this time to thank you, God, and to reflect on your goodness and your mercy and your provisions. That, Jesus, you are the fulfillment of all these things. That you've come to give us joy. That you've come to forgive us of our sins and to relieve us of all that bondage. When Jesus says he is Lord of the Sabbath, he's saying, I'm the Sabbath. I'm it. I'm the Lord over the Sabbath. You're you're, you're bypassing me with all your rules, and it's not giving you joy. In fact, it's making your heart even more hardened. And so this is what I want to say to you as we close. He's the source of the rest that you need, and you will never find rest trying to be perfect in your own strength. Jesus wasn't breaking any laws. The Sabbath was a call to rest and to reflect on the goodness of God. The gospel message is this. Jesus came for sinners to set them free. To set them free from their rules. To set them free from the bondage that they've put themselves in. Jesus is saying, listen, don't come to rules to save you. It's not about becoming a better person. When you think we can make ourselves right with God by being moral and good, we will sidestep Jesus altogether. Jesus has to be our source. He's the only one that can give you true rest. If my good works are to prove to others and God that I am good, then we will never, ever find rest. And I believe the reason why some of you are just tired today and not finding rest for your souls is for this reason. There's a constant need within yourself to prove yourself because we're never satisfied with who we are in Christ and thus never being good enough. Are you hearing me? Listen, Bible reading and studying God's word and discipleship is all good. We need that in our lives. We need to know doctrine. But if I'm using those things to prove my goodness to the Lord, you will never find rest. 
Jesus has to be the source of why you do all that stuff. And some of you just need to hear that today. Some of you need to hear that just Jesus says, listen, here's what Jesus says to to those of you that are weary. Ready? Are you ready? I love this verse, Matthew 11. We're going to close in song. And what we're going to do as we close in song, I know we went a little bit over. I apologize with the the, uh, Panama speaking group um, because they just spoke too long, but that's okay. (laughs) Um, They cut into my time, but that's okay. I love them. God bless them. Um, We're going to close in song and we're going to sing Good, Good Father again. You need to hear this song. When I heard that song on the radio, He's a good dad. And I think some of you are fearful to come to the Lord because you feel like you failed him too many times. Or you feel like you're not worthy. And this is what Jesus says to those who have been burdened by the rules of religion, who have been beat up. Jesus says this, come to me. All you labor who are heavy laden, and I'm going to give you rest because I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burdens are light. Now, what does this mean? Does that mean that your life is not, you're not going to have any burdens in your life? No, 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 that's not what it means. What Jesus says is, he says, it's like two oxen that are together and there's a yoke between them. Jesus says this to you, for those of you that feel like you're burdened today and you feel like you can't do it, you've got to let Jesus on the other side of that yoke. You're going to say, Jesus, I need you to come beside me. I need your strength in my life. I've been doing it on my own. I've been trying to be religious. I've been trying to do this, and it's just not working. And Jesus says, let me be your source. Let me come alongside of you. Let me be your strength to help you get through that. And I don't know where, where you are today, what burdens you're going through today, but I want to let you know there's rest in Jesus today. Come to him. Let him be your strength today. So as the worship team comes forward, I want us to stand. We're going to pray. And as we sing this song, I'm going to open the altars today. If you want to come forward for prayer and you need somebody, I'll be here. Miss Ruth will be up here. We'll pray with you. We're going to, we're going to believe God's just going to touch your situation. Um, we want to pray for you today. So don't, don't, don't leave this place. Don't, don't leave this place without laying that burden at the Lord's feet. He's a good father. He's a good God. And he cares for you today. Let him be your source and your strength today. So Lord, as we just bow our hearts, as we, just, as we close this time, as we enter in this time of worship, Lord, do your work in our hearts today, God. May you be our source. And for those that are here today that are just weary and burdened, and as, and as we come to you, Lord, I pray that you would ease that burden off our lives, that you would become our source. Thank you, Jesus, for coming and doing it for us. You did it all for us. That we don't have to strive, that we don't, that we don't have to do these things on our own, that Jesus, you did it for us. So let us come to you, let be that source so that we can find rest for our souls. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen. If you need prayer today as we sing this song, you come forward, we'll pray with you. Just let God touch your heart as we sing this again, as we close the day. God bless you as you worship the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.